Hello again, everybody. It's uh, Jason Powers. Out at my normal hour, 3 a.m. in the morning. Just uh, was uh, actually just uh, finished up watching a uh, short film. Uh, it was uh, obviously, uh, well, I wasn't obvious, but uh, dystopian in nature. But uh, we won't go into that because uh, I think we can come back to it. Uh, earlier though, uh, earlier though, um, I was working or uh, working. Uh, <laughs> I guess in a way I was working uh, because I was thinking during an episode I had downloaded. I've been uh, binge watching kind of sort of Magnum PI. Uh, this would be the first season uh, from 1981. And no sooner I come out to the road, uh, as you can hear, there's some, oh, it's down the way. It was uh, sirens. Oh, here they come. So we're going to uh, stand by here. Hold on a second. State trooper um, coming fast and went by. I'm sure there'll be another one or two. They usually, or, they usually travel in groups of two or three. So anyways... I was watching uh, this, and people say, well, whatever. I never watched the first run of Magnum P.I. back in the 80s. That was just not on my, um, you know, there was so much to watch, of course, in that time frame. But me and my, me and my mom didn't spend a lot of time doing it. And, of course, here all the traffic comes. Hmm, quite interesting. So... We didn't watch the show. So for me, it's like a new experience because I didn't watch the original in 1981. I was, I don't know what we were watching, but it wasn't Magnum P.I. So for me, it's like a <laughs> brand new show. I know everything. I, I, Tom Selleck looks obviously very different. <laughs> he was probably in his mid-20s or mid to late 20s, I guess. I don't know, maybe 30. He's 70 years old or so now so it's a different <clears throat> different concept dealing in all the but what really stands out the most is the setting and kind of the beauty of well it was set in Hawaii obviously and it made for a good impression on on film So, in making a good impression on film, jeez oh, Louise, I'm sorry, I came out at 3.30 in the morning and I didn't expect there'd be one car and every, now I've had so many vehicles come by, never fails though, so yes, makes a great impression, and things look clean, uh, the people, you know, you see some old actors, really old actors now, but uh, see old faces, probably saw their first or second role on film <clears throat> pop up in these episodes. And the scene, the, the beauty of uh, the shooting, uh, this was, I don't know, I don't know how many, um, I know, the, the, here's the big name, uh, Donald P. Uh, Belisario. He was attached. He was the executive producer. He wrote wrote many of the scripts. You might know him from 
uh, Airwolf and Jag and I'm sure he did a, a multitude of shows in the 1980s kind of like uh, Stephen J. Cannell for those who are familiar with his uh, his work uh, A-Team I think he did Remington Steel a lot, a lot of shows uh, throughout the 80s and early 90s uh, but the thing is like the writing was better uh it's funny in the background the people are healthier um yeah there's an upbeat atmosphere even <laughs> though it's just a boilerplate kind of private private eye who done it but it's usually not complicated it's uh obvious or relatively relatively so but the thing is you <clears throat> the characters are written well you like them you come to like them i mean that goes without saying that's why it was on television for eight years uh but uh for me it just uh just it takes me back you know i know what i was like in eight eight and nine years old in that time frame and when you're eight and nine years old you're obviously precocious and things are new to you and everything is positive and upbeat there was a hope even with you know the whole uh, USSR and USA Cold War mentality that was always a bad idea of course we can't change the the dynamic of what was going on but um, you have little little control over it now of course that's why I bring it up but uh, yeah it's interesting I didn't I didn't really realize you know how much of uh, the characterization I mean like the episodes are centered around his uh, he was in naval intelligence he served in Vietnam and that kind of thing it gave a positive upbeat look at soldiers who would return and live in Hawaii which and he's a not worth a lot of money <laughs> he's always short and everybody knows he's broke but he managed to land a good gig and you know Higgins of course and stuff like that it, it appeals it creates a you know you know, a lot of times the TV was a marketing for certain jobs and professions. You know, nobody wants to, you know, the obviously ones, the police and the uh, doctor, the private eye, the lawyer, of course. I'm sure many of you have watched L.A. Law if you're of a certain age. I can remember that with my mom. I can remember the, was it Stephen Bochco, I think was the name. He used to, I mean... I'm a, I have a, I'm an affectionate of that whole time frame from about 19, say 1978 to probably 1993, 95. I mean, obviously I watch shows after that, but that was the sweet spot. That's when you're growing up. And there were a lot of uh, shows with messaging, hidden messaging, of course, underneath uh, layers, but uh, uh, they still were a lot of good shows people cared about 
cared about things. Here, got the cop just rolled by again. So, you know, you're... You're just... Uh, I was much more hopeful than, obviously, I guess in some ways we, we all know where we're at in terms of how we feel about the current circumstances that are uh, approaching or have been approaching. And, and you see all the stupid fights and the beefs and the, the political wrangling and all the people that you're, we are supposedly entrusting to run our country who have done such a absolute despicable job of destructing everything that was worth a worth a spit you know you know destructing cities like i said in my broadcast the other night you know we have to take those back you have to you can't just let this stuff go there's so much damage and destruction and it's being done on total purpose nobody would do this stuff if they cared one iota about what their cities were like and 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 they do it with glee i i I gather the you know you think all these councils and mayors and all these representatives and co uh, Congress and of course they're using it as a means to get to a authoritarian end and uh, they want to strip all of us of our defense rights just just so you know I mean we never <laughs> well we've always had this issue of uh, Second Amendment rights but uh, our country's been more incapable of handling those things as a population for a long time. It was only really in the 70s through the 90s that, you know, crime got so astronomically out of whack. And you always have to ask yourself why. Just because uh, radicals got, got involved in city governance and destroyed the, the fabric of their, their cities and uh, we're on the, you know, on the take and on the make, of course, taking money away from you and me and uh, uh, funneling it into their corruption projects. And, uh, and of course, you know, they've always tried to say, oh, the cities are such, such greater opportunities. Well, yeah, GDP-wise, their finished output is always going to be greater than the farmers and the people who live in the middle of uh, the Midwest and whatnot. But there's a pro there's a reason for that. They're they're generating your initial goods, the things that you eat, the things that you need, uh, mining and ore and oil and all this other uh, is very important. <laughs> and we used to have a great manufacturing se sector uh, in, into the 50s and 60s in the Midwest. They used to be in plenty of places, but all those businesses either shut down or went overseas. And all because, you know, we have so many globalists who, oh, we're going to raise everybody else's uh, income up. It never works that way. It doesn't work that way. I know there's an economic philosophy behind all this stuff. And I always thought it was such a bunch of bullshit. Because, yeah, people, when they're allowed to do their own free trade. But here's the, here's the problem with the way these people do it. They always get in the middle of it. They always have to get their money out of it. They don't care about the people who are really impacted on either side of this uh, deal. <clears throat> it's the middle people that have always messed up this this country. The middlemen, the bankers who got to get their one and a half percent fees, or 
19.9% interest. Now it's depending upon how bad your credit score is. It's probably about 30%. Um, just, just, just raping people. Just taking them over the, taking them over the coals. You know, they say, well, we have to because of all the deadbeats. Well, you wouldn't have deadbeats if you wouldn't be kind of just routinely exploiting the hell out of them. <laughs> I mean, not by exploiting them. I mean, you just, uh, the, we have set up an economic system that is doomed to fail. It's going to fail really quickly now. And the reason why I guess I'm dwelling on this is when you look back, you know, we had a decision point about, well, roughly, you know, 45, 40 years ago. And it had nothing, and, and it really it doesn't even have much to do with the, the presidency, though. I mean, that's usually what we channel our thoughts and analysis. I mean, it, it does have an impact, but it's not that. It's, it's the decision point of how people go about building or keeping or maintaining a country educationally um, you know everything teachings philosophies values it's the whole pot and there's no not, I mean all the news you get now is just shows how bad these teachers these teachers have been doing bad things to your kids for the last 20 or 30 years certainly even longer than that but Lack of critical thinking skills. Don't teach them anything about, you know, actual. The, the, the teachers are, are incompetent because they haven't been taught well. And none of this is going to change. It's only going to get worse. Because you have so many people that are just greedy for themselves. And they're going to get, they're going to suck the last little bit of marrow out of this country. And then they're going to whine like all get out. Now, I'm not trying to whine. There is... There is a way through, but yeah, we we don't have people that are willing to give up anything at this point. And, and there are going to be people who are going to be are going to have to be reassessed into a different role. And I hate to say I'm, I'm using a euphemism, by the way, just saying because. Uh, we have all these incompetent people at the top, these functionaries. There was a, I was reading a, someone's opinion piece that I thought was pretty good, at least in the standpoint of, you know, talking about these entire, this entire class of people who are just incompetent in all sorts of ways. But here's the thing. There's a people who, who, uh, don't necessarily have all the skill sets they can be trained up very well if they have the intellectual capacity to learn or desire to learn and the motivation and, and, and the humility to learn and I, I'm I'm as guilty of that as well but uh, yeah at this point I, I would take learning lots of things but we have a certain intellectual section of people who really want to just hoard that information and they want to uh, use it as a cudgel for the, against the rest of the population because the whole idea of this is just to make them, they, you know, that's why these idiotic journalists will say, oh, don't use critical thinking skills. Somebody 
uh, tonight had uh, posted though there's uh, a piece from the New York Times a couple years ago talking about how critical thinking is bad for your positioning as, as such such garbage such propaganda uh, such evil propaganda and basically it's just you know the the idea that these people are of any way shape or form superior especially the journalistic set I mean it's easy I mean if your job I mean they get paid a hundred thousand dollars a year to pump out pulp garbage and uh, they're not even that important they don't they don't they're not investigating anything they don't want to they don't want to make a lot of waves they've worked for the intel communities i guess and that, that maybe that's some of the overlap too with uh, the magnum pi you know i'm granted you know but he he'd go around and just ask questions and talk to people and use his uh a senses why not i mean it's hokey but you know it's still it's still to to maintain or to establish himself he had to he had to go do it and the white islands evidently you know had lots of intrigue and he was uh you know of course you know there's always the every episode so far or at least a, i won't totally convert there's a attractive woman who's in the uh, episode either the damsel in distress who needs his help or or uh, you know, like the one I, I it, today was the interesting one. I, I listened to I'm, I'm totally segueing, segueing off the doom and gloom, but, uh, it, it points to a, a, a thought. So the episode centered around a, an event that had taken place in 1941, uh, uh, Pearl Harbor. And, you know, obviously the way, if he said the current setting was now it was 1981 and Hawaii became a state in 1959 and you just look at that that piv that pivot there of time so it was far enough back that Hawaii still wasn't even an actual state it was just a territory of the United States and just uh yeah there was an old car in the episode the just everything was a little bit different and set up differently and there was an event and whatnot but uh, uh it actually turned on the uh supreme uh this uh, uh guy who was supposed to be appointed to uh, the supreme court you know totally fabricated event but he was looking for some resolution on the events that had taken place in his lifetime you know 40 years prior to that so, you know, like everything else, that was, you know, I, I, when I saw that, that, that was like a midpoint, you know. It's been 40 years since this show was on TV or started on TV. And, you know, it was 40 years after, uh, you know, the beginning of the U.S. involvement in World War II, at least in the military, uh, military sense. Yeah, I mean, we were involved in Lend-Lease and other things of uh, of regard before that but we all know december 7 1941 and you know we are in the fourth turning right now we are in a um we're in a uh, very precarious situation with a substantial amount of the population that doesn't even really understand what the heck they're doing or what's going on 
and they're fighting old fights and uh they don't even want to they don't and they they don't even know who the real enemies are internally or externally um but they will soon enough and i hope that they'll uh do some investigation along that lines but don't hope for that because like many things uh um, we're, we have so many people that are uncritical about anything that they won't investigate. And I know I've asked and, and I, I've been working, maybe on not the most important investigations, I guess, but I, I've been just trying to capture some uh, backstories and, and things that went along with, um, other avenues I've invested. I've laid off, uh, COVID or SARS-CoV-2. Uh, for quite a while, mainly because, you know, I did a pretty good uh, analysis of that, at least in a, a sub-stack back in October, uh, early October. And the the numbers and some of the other stuff, at, at least in the, in the standpoint of uh, biology and uh, very, um, it's not that it can't be, can't be learned, but it's not... It's just not a, I'm not going to come up to speed on it in the ways that I would need to in order to uh, go further on what's that's going on. I trusted, I've trusted people that are, uh, have the background and experience. And some of them, I don't know, they, they, they've hit on some aha moments and others have, uh, have uh, oversold themselves and maybe they, they've uh, done their own thing uh, to, uh, generate a platform just saying so i'm i'm always has i am a little bit skeptical even of the people who seem to be on a side which is the side of they want the truth and they want to they want to stop this mechanism of uh all this uh resetting of uh well <laughs> resetting to an authoritarian dystopian future where uh the idea of travel and choices and speaking out uh, will be uh, uh, highly discouraged by our overseers, our masters. Um, there won't be a, Hawaii, a visit to Hawaii ever in my lifetime under this current paradigm. Not that I ever expected to, but it would have been nice. Uh, I'll end it on, on this broadcast on a couple of uh, well, the only two tr real trips I've taken since uh um, in my, my, on my own. So I, in June of, uh, 2016, I went down to, uh, Miami. I drove down there from Indiana and it's like 15 or 1600 miles. I don't know exactly what it was, but all the way to Miami and had booked to stay there at, uh, one Broadway, which is, uh, went into renovations. I think if couple years later I think 2019 or 2020 right around the time of the pandemic but I went down there and I stayed in this uh it was like a, a short-term stay like in a park very good price for I mean it was summertime so evidently you can get a pretty good rate then I was there for let's see Friday Saturday Sunday Monday as you know like four days three nights uh or um yeah something like that, about four four nights Anyways, it was like $200, $250. I mean, nothing, nothing. It was really cheap. But it was great because I had an 18th floor, uh, 18th or 19th floor, I think I was on. 
Um, can't remember exactly. It was up. <laughs> but I was looking, I was on the, 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 the room as it was pivoted. It was uh, facing out eastward. And I, I, the where that building is, it was looking out over the, you know, Miami uh, towards the, where, oh, Miami Beach. Um, and the whole, you know, it was right in downtown, right in downtown. Like smack dab. I mean, like if you go outside the, the building I was, you could, you know, walk to the major banking areas and sections. It was sweet. I enjoyed it. It was, uh, it was a good little vacation. I, I did stroll over onto Miami Beach, and uh, there was a certain cost with it. And I saw the old, the, all the, what you would call the college, uh, the college. Uh, um, frat house you know kind of like the, the 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 hotels that they had set up for all the the spring breakers so and they were all run down and everything like that when i say run down you could tell they'd been worn <laughs> hard worn and put away wet and uh so that was a a good trip and then in uh february 2017 i i went to a conference uh, uh out in uh, san francisco I flew out there and got a rental car and I stayed out there for again like three days and it was uh, interesting. Uh, I you know drove around and mainly I stayed the, I went through this con uh, this conference was uh, like a three day conference. Uh, uh, it was uh, for entrepreneurs and techies and stuff like that. Basically, it was these guys bloviating about how they got their startup. It was just called the startup grind. As I'm sure you can look it up. So I, you know, signed up for it. I don't know what the cost was. I forget. It was about three or four hundred dollars. Anyway, I decided to make it out there, and I flew out there, and um, yeah, I met a few people. You know, talked to people, rando that uh, you know had some hope. There was a one lady I remember talking to. I got her card, and we uh, we sat through a couple conferences together just because we were kind of the older. We weren't the young people but uh i was curious i was willing to get believe it or not i wasn't a total i'm not you know <laughs> i'm a very much a middle of the road person in most things i'm here's my political yeah it's really weird to have to call political i'm highly conservative in my personal life but i i like to think liberally about things so thinking one way and behaving another way, that's what it boils down to with me. But I was out there, you know, at that time I was just, I wanted to get involved in something entrepreneurial um, regarding health. I had made some strides in my own personal health at that point that uh, led me to believe, or delusionally, if you might want it, must, uh, to, to hope that I could get involved in something along that line. I my you know I've mentioned it before. Just wanted to. Uh, <clears throat> I saw an opportunity with the way the malls have been uh, decaying for a long time, and now they're probably going to be just totally eliminated. But uh, the idea was to create an anchor store where you would have, uh, you know, uh, a behavioral analysis, a nutritional supplement store, and a obviously a gym, uh, and a way to you know, take all the aspects that we have to deal with in order to maintain our mental and physical health. And mental health uh, is key to physical health. And physical health, uh, it's a feedback loop. The better your physical health, the better your mental health will be. 
that's why so much of uh, military training is uh, designed around, you know, keeping high level of fitness because they know this too. Everybody should know this. And I, up through 2021, I was doing pretty, pretty well with that. The last couple of years, it's been a, it's been a struggle for me. I mean, I'm not totally divorced of or devoid of that. I've kind of stayed in a, you know, zone, but I'm not making any strides or I've significantly uh, regressed in terms of anything that was tied to lifting and whatnot. But, you know, I don't know. There's been bigger things on the uh, agenda items of my own life to to worry about. And obviously, I also worry highly about the the state of the country <laughs> and the state of affairs and who the hell's going to be running it. And can we get anybody, and I do mean anybody, who can turn this around, not just I mean, from a leadership standpoint. Um, they're going to have to have a tons of leaders. We're going to need hundreds and thousands of people that are committed. And that's what I guess is, I hope is happening around the country. I know my podcast don't necessarily, you know, I don't know how to initiate that from my own accord, but I hope those that are, that are out there around this country United States are working damn hard I mean if they have the resources or any resources are available to them they should make all the make it possible I can't uh, I can't stress that enough if they uh, I, I've stressed it in many ways but I really am very concerned that uh, there are people that just don't seem to understand how how much of a crisis point we're at and that uh, they had best get their heads out of their rear ends and that goes no matter what your political philosophy is and your any of your personal delusions that you're that uh, this too shall pass and uh, we uh, you know the people in DC or around the world aren't so bad now they're very bad they've done a lot of damage they've done a lot of damage and burned a lot of bridges and been buffaloing people for the last you know like i said 40 to 50 years hiding hiding atrocities and burning bridges around the world so payback's a bitch and i know people aren't going to be very, uh, they're not going to be very pleased with the outcomes if we don't get it, get kick our asses into high gear. So I'll leave it there for now. God bless the United States of America, and God save the world. <laughs>